Dr. Zavoya, John, T-10, the show with 10-minute takes on the future of education in healthcare. I'm your host, Tim Fitzpatrick. Today, we're joined by Osman Kawar, the founder and CEO at Diality, a medical device company on a mission to develop solutions that help improve the care and lives of patients with kidney disease. Osman is a nephrologist by training and has been building Diality since 2018. I've heard Osman's name and Dialty frequently in kidney care circles for years. So it was a pleasure to finally meet face-to-face at a recent event near their company headquarters in Irvine. I know the kidney care community is really excited and enthusiastic about the dialysis product that they're bringing to market. In our conversation, we chat about Osmond's early career as a nephrologist and the important role mentorship played in his path in understanding of the problem that he's solving. He shares the challenges of building a medical device company from the ground up and the opportunity to give patients and care teams more flexibility. We also talk about the importance of patient-centered care and kidney care as a whole. He says something that really resonated with me. He said that in today's health system, nephrologists are often dialysis-centric, trying to fit dialysis into the patient's life rather than the other way around. He emphasizes the need to go back to the basics and ensure that nephrologists are educated and confident in teaching patients the ins and outs of modalities including home dialysis. Without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Osman Kaur, founder and CEO at Dialty. Osman, it's a pleasure to finally have you on T-10. Thank you for joining me. Thanks, Tim. Pleasure to be here. Appreciate the invite. Absolutely. I'm, I'm thrilled that I finally got to meet you in person a few weeks ago at the conference, and I'd love to kind of follow up by giving you a chance to share your journey, your mission to building Dialty. It's a company that I've heard about for years and years. And so obviously, uh, it's great to finally put a name with the face and, and obviously hear the mission behind it, and obviously how you how you came to found it. But let's start at the beginning and kind of tell us that that early story and obviously what, what Dialty is doing today. Yeah, I mean, my background is a physician and a nephrologist. I spent, you know, a decade or so being a nephrologist. And, and in that space, Tim, I think, developed this real love of home dialysis. In fact, I remember finishing my fellowship and trying to seek out practices that were already back then um, doing um, a lot of home dialysis. And so I ended up um, finding someone in San Diego who had a real passion for PD at the time. And that was really because in my fellowship, I had really great mentors that did that too. And so I continued that passion throughout my practice um, and and really started to develop a love of home hemodialysis in particular. And um, I think I was really impressed by the benefits that home dialysis provided for patients. And it was really wonderful to see the impact you could make on patients' lives. At, at some point, I started to get a little frustrated with the um, breadth of patients I could offer the service to. And, and either that was I couldn't just get through to how good the therapy was, my own education, and, and that's why I think your project at Icon is so close to my heart, or um, the patients were scared um, and fearful of self-cannulation or, or, or some other issue, or the technology um, was such that it seemed complicated um, for the patient and they seemed overwhelmed. And so it was those sort of pieces that came together into me thinking that I could probably improve the technology side and get to a place where uh, we could get technology that was easier to use um, and didn't have some of the issues that that 
legacy technology has had. So I think it's been, you know, great to have that technology available. And and so that's really how I got into that. I I started to move out of the physician space and do consulting work, and and eventually ended up um, here at Dialdi as a CEO for four and a half years now. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you for walking me through it. I love how you describe uh, having the right mentors who helps you see the opportunity and helping you kind of fall in love with, with home dialysis. I'd, I'd love to, this is not something that we've chatted or I've heard from you before around deciding to solve for the technology piece. I, as someone who has had to learn and was not technical and has tried to uh, started a company in this space, I'd love to hear your take on, on what that was like. You know, we've, We've met with kidney care providers and leaders and had some of those discussions, but never on the tech side, the actual delivery uh, mechanical side. And um, I know from what I know about the, the history of nephrology and kidney care and how engineers build dialysis machines. And I just think that's something that's so fascinating and uh, unique to kidney care. I think it's just a really cool draw. So I'd be curious to hear your, your thoughts on what it's like to decide to build the technology solution and and do something in a way that it hasn't been done before that solves some of those challenges. Yeah, certainly if I was going to say there's, there's lots of different ways to solve the problem I described, I, I certainly chose the most challenging one to do. Um, yeah, um, there are easier things to try and solve in this space, but I don't think there are more important things to solve in this space. And um, I, I think that particularly with no background in engineering, um, you know, you go in thinking you're going to change the world next week. Uh, and obviously, as we both know, building an organization, it takes grit, determination, perseverance, um, and, and all of those things are, are important attributes for whoever is starting a company in the United States. And I think um, it's been a fantastic journey for me, a lot of learning. You know, we are, you know, um, tens of people now and started off with this on a napkin, me and uh, thinking about, you know, what is wrong with current devices and what could we do? And really that napkin, if I was to recreate it, um, would say, you know, how about a device that's usable? How about a device that could be in any care setting and do the full spectrum of prescriptions for a patient? And then you just go about executing and figuring out what's next. And um, I think in this space, what's important is staying true to what you're trying to do um, and your in, in your design input. Um, choosing the right partners along the way, both on the investor side, on your leadership team, on the team that you build, um, and then creating important relationships as you go along to help you execute on the plan. Um, I've also been very um, lucky to be in Southern California and in Irvine, where there is a, a, a real hub of med tech, I would say hardware med tech development. And that's been very useful in the recruiting side because there's some excellent um, other large companies in this space that has that has really created an atmosphere of of med tech that's been useful to tap into. That's that's great, and I think it's one of the areas, and probably the, one of the biggest takeaways I have from the conference where we met is that med tech is one of those industries and areas arenas where uh, you know it did not necessarily the whole virtual work from home and you know COVID obviously the pandemic made that accessible for a lot of companies, but I think med tech and having access yeah. to talent and the geography that, you know, that, that still very much matters. So that's a, that's an important kind of insight. In, in yeah, it was, it was, it, it's interesting talking to co-CEOs in, in spaces that are very easy to go virtual. Um, we, at that point, COVID started, we we're building our, our first device and you just, you can't put pumps and sensors together virtually. And so 
it was a real challenging time for us. But as as in everything in life, the, the challenging pieces are what makes us stronger. And so, you know, that was a very interesting time. We got through it. We got to where we are today. But but learnings along the way and all those challenges, I, I've always found when you look back, it's the challenges and how you got through them that that really you remember, not the easy stuff. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Well, no no more needed necessary time to solve this very challenge than than now. So I'd love to hear where where is the company today? You mentioned the progress. You mentioned, I think, any setting full prescription range. You know that that sounds like a, a high amount of flexibility. Again, from what I understand about machines. So where is where is the product progress? I guess at, at this point. Yeah, we're in the second second quarter. Yeah, we're in the final stages of product development. We're we're looking forward to a, a submission to the agency and and bringing the product to market. Um, it's uh, it's been a really exciting journey, and now as we get out to market and collaborate with the industry, it, it's really great to hear um, that everyone is so supportive of innovation in the space. And I think, as you know, I, I think the renal space is a is a place where the last 18, 24 months have been a whirlwind of changes from all stakeholders on the payer side, the patient side, the physician side, and and I think it's a really Great environment, and I think you know having other devices that are coming out as well just just brings this sense of innovation in the space that's been lacking in uh, the device side for some time, and and it's great to have other partners in other places doing the same thing. Amazing! I'd love to have your take on uh, you know, as a nephrologist who is now in the in the CEO seat, developing new technology that will be new for patients. Obviously, um, uh, innovative in the sense that it's easier to use. There's high usability and and uh, I think the education side of all of this is what I'm what I'm curious about. You described the the setting of uh, in in center or outpatient dialysis clinics and wanting to unlock home and what kind of initially drew you to to home through some of those mentors you mentioned during your fellowship. Could you speak to kind of where education fits in in your mind as uh, a nephrologist who's obviously had that clinical experience, but now building a device company and just how you think about education on the patient side. Yeah, from the physician side, I think really, and one, one of the ethoses of our company is to really let the physician prescribe whatever modality they wish to in any care setting and, and really getting out of the way and, and letting the physician and patient um, be the decision makers on dialysis um, and, and that prescription. And, and home hemodialysis is a great example of there are so many ways to do home hemodialysis. You could do it a short one daily. You could do it overnight. You could do a combination of both. You can really tailor the prescription to what the patient's needs are. But that doesn't happen often enough. And it's still a place where we are um, dialysis-centric rather than patient-centric in that we are trying to make dialysis um, central and the patient has to fit around that schedule rather than the other way around. And so, and so part of getting a device that's very flexible is being able to prescribe whatever the patient wants. So when you get to the education space, it, it's amazing how much time nephrologists spend in advanced chronic kidney disease educating patients on modalities. And, and I think um, when you think back to training, um, there's not a lot of time spent doing that. Um, a lot of time taking care of crashing patients, but not in a lot of fellowship programs, time spent 25 minutes of, a, of an office visit talking about different modalities and what patients should do. I think it's a real area of opportunity in it, and, and I think that it is, um, it's great that we are going to get more resources as we move, move forward. That there is 
more and more going on in the education space in, in nephrology. And, you know, recently, you know, we had, you know, increasing reimbursement to try and increase education for patients, but it really didn't move anything. We now have value-based care that's trying to do that. But, but again, um, I think we need more tools here. And so as Dialty thinks about education, um, of course, as a device company, we think about it in two ways. How do we make sure patients are comfortable and and, and um, care providers are comfortable using our device, but also as you move up the funnel, how do you make um, both patients, um, payers, and 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 physicians um, understand the flexibility that they have in choice of dialysis modality, choice of dialysis machinery, choice of dialysis prescription, all these sort of pieces, and and I think that we need to continue to leverage technology to do that. This is uh, it's helpful to think about the, the two areas you described: the, the patient side in the home, the care partners who are on you know, on the front lines receiving treatment, understanding the, the flexibility on on that that front. But then also the stakeholders upstream. You just mentioned you something stuck out to me earlier. You said it doesn't happen often enough with regard to the flexible dialysis prescriptions. I'm curious: are there any top of mind hurdles on why why that doesn't happen? Is it largely technology in your experience? Is it low awareness? I mean. Are there any challenges that are front and center when you think about why why isn't that happening? Of course, I imagine that the machine helps if it's if it is flexible. Yeah, itself. Um, it's multifactorial, but but I think it if you stay physician centric and find a conversation, I think that um, we need um, to create and build nephrologists that understand home modalities to a greater extent. And that, I think, is happening. I think fellowship program directors are thoughtful about that. But during your fellowship and training, um, you need to understand the different ways and be comfortable and confident in the different ways of prescribing dialysis that's patient-centric. And, and I think that's happening. And, but if it doesn't, then when you get to your practice side, you need to be exposed to that. For example, on PD, um, there's many ways to prescribe PD that um, you could have you know, daytime fills, you could have overnight, you could have a combination, you could adjust daytime. Um, there, there are lots of different ways to do it the same on home hemodialysis. And I don't think that there's enough experience and comfort, confidence on the physician side um, to really do some of that work in the vast majority of cases. And, and so I think that leads to um, the education that's provided generally being outsourced and that outsourced space, maybe not being as knowledgeable about the different ways um, to educate people. When I, when I think about HHD in particular, you know, um, the current technology is very volume-based and there are physicians I know who are very uncomfortable how to prescribe HHD. They don't really understand the volume-based prescription. Um, they don't understand um, some of the uh, different ways uh, we should prescribe HHD compared to in-center in dialysis. And so I think that leads to some discomfort again. And, and so educating physicians, I think, is part of it. Um, I, I think also our patients are much smarter than we give them credit for. And I think we need to spend more time giving them um, the tools they need to help um, in that shared decision-making. And I don't think enough of that happens. And, and, and so I think more tools that are patient-centric and allow them to be involved in that decision is going to be great. Amazing. I, the fellowship piece, so I, I'm, I love hearing the different sides of this and uh, 
you know, getting some context around the challenges that I hear, obviously, the, your perspective is, is incredible, just given that you've had the, the breadth there. Do the fellowship program directors mentioned there thoughtful about um, how we're educating physicians and early early career physicians? Have you seen, have you stayed plugged in as, you know, as someone who's had great mentors? Is, do you still have those relationships? What are you seeing you know, positive signs of people wanting to to have those those fellowship directors and um, how do you think those programs are kind of developing since you went through them about a decade ago? Yeah, I, yeah, I think it's it's in flux. I happen to go to a place with great home, you know, home ethos. Um, it's not there everywhere, and I think you have to think back to um, someone's going to be an internal medicine resident applying for a fellowship. How much are they really aware of the importance of home dialysis? And how much is that a selection criteria for their fellowship and how are they driving that conversation as well as the regulatory body space and i think there are there's a lot of community drive from places like Medsite nephrology can you have initiatives um, that are trying to continue to drive this conversation earlier and earlier in the funnel just like we talk about the patient funnel it's a physician funnel too we've got to move up there and make sure this is key um, in, in part of the the, the training programs um, and i think they are things like PD University and, and, and other things that we do to try and make up for that. Um, but but I think the, uh, the the more we can drive this to the fellowship training space, the, the better on the physician side. And on the patient side, you know, we, we in all aspects of medicine need to continue to give patients the tools they need to help in this decision-making space. And starting dialysis for a patient is a really big decision. And um, Patients go several ways, but one of them is to close their eyes and pretend this isn't happening. And so how do we attack that that problem and fix that? And for those that are going to be involved in the shared decision-making, do they have enough tools? Is it widely available? Do you have to be at a premium practice to get great education? Or could you be in a rural part of a state to still get the same quality of education? So I think there's there's lots of ways that we should think about this. Amazing. Well, this is a, this is a great tee-up. I want to go through the final frontier with you, Osman, if you're... If you're ready, five questions in 50 seconds. We'll handle them one by one and, and knock them out. All right, so first one. What do you see as the top challenge in your particular space? Time, I think. You know, there's just so much to do and time just goes so quickly. And I think just as an individual, as an organization, as an industry, we're, we're trying to fix all these problems. We're trying to fix them as quickly as possible. So, so really, I think concentrating on the most important things and making sure um, we're executing on those. Um, in all those spaces, uh, I think it's really important. Incredible. How about top opportunity for you for Dialogy? Um, I, I think um, both for the industry and for Dialogy, I think continuing to leverage data to improve outcomes. And, and for example, in your space, in the education space, how do we really measure how we're doing? How do we, you know, improve based upon that data? I think, you know, widening the user base for non-traditional dialysis is, and, and using data to optimize outcomes is the two big opportunities in the renal space moving forward. Great. And on that note, how about uh, tech trend that you're following right now? Uh, like everyone else, I think that the changes in artificial intelligence are, are pretty phenomenal. Um, and when you just see the plethora of ways, um, you know, as, as a company that raises money, we spend a, probably too much time creating decks. And I was on a website of a company that creates decks using AI, and it was just, it's phenomenal. I think it's really exciting how, how this is going to change, um, you know, what are important criteria for users in the future. And, and I think it's going to be different than it was in the mm -hmm. past. 
I can't wait to save time on on decks either. Um, how about top media recommendation books, podcasts? What are you consuming these days? Um, there's a book I'm reading now called um, I, I may I may get this name wrong. I forgot to write it down before, but I think it's Slow and Fast Thinking. I, I forget the thinking author. Thinking fast. It's a really interesting book. Dan Kahneman book. That's oh, right. Excellent. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, so so it's a it's a meaty book, um, but uh, but really interesting. And and I when I think about it, you know, in the physician space, people talk, and he mentions this. You know, a physician walks into a room and can in a few seconds figure out what's going on um, with the patient. It's just that inherent innate ability for practice that that I think is that that sort of fast thinking. And and I think there's times to use that, there's times to use slow thinking, and I think that's a really interesting way of of looking at uh, decision making processes. Perfect. Yeah, I love that book. Uh, last one, healthcare or tech leaders that you're following? Yeah, I mean, I've had many mentors along the way. I, I don't think one steps out. I think, you know, they all know who they are. I appreciate all the effort they make. Um, but really, to everyone that's out there being an entrepreneur in, in, in healthcare, I think there's so much going on, as we saw at the recent meeting. Um, so so hats off to all of them, because I think we're all, we're all driving hard to improve outcomes for patients. Amazing. Well, Osman, it's been a, a true pleasure having you on. I'm rooting for you, excited for everything Dialogy and, and yourself have, are bringing to the market. Can't wait to, to see what you do the rest of this year and going forward. And thank you for, for joining us on T10. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, uh, T10, for the invite. And it was great chatting today. Mm-hmm.